0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at bite.com. That's Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the SchmoZone Zone Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Fusion CBD products. I love Fusion CBD products. I love using CBD in my recovery after all my workouts. This stuff is great. Hemp-infused. This stuff is grown locally here in the United States, and I love using their stuff. Their CBD Intense Relief Rub, their Hydro Drops, which I put in my coffee in the morning. They have a cardio CBD energy mix, which you can use that before the workouts. Muscle and joint, capsules that have turmeric in it mixed with CBD. It's great stuff. Check them out. FusionCBDProducts.com. Use the promo code SHMO to get 20% off. Let's start this show hello there welcome back to the schmo zone episode 41 i'm dave schmolenson aka the schmo my co-host is
1: Helen sports is the way to go.
0: Sports is the way <laughs> to go. I, I love the the red sweater, turtleneck.
1: Thank, thank you. You know, it made me feel a bit festive. Holidays are around the corner. I've been drinking a lot of um, like coffee with whipped cream. You know, I know your dad drinks that too. It's actually, <laughs> it's a great idea. I don't know why I never thought of it earlier. But yeah, so I saw this sweater. It reminded me of you know, the season, the holidays. So, yeah.
0: I know you have your eggnog too, but what is it with coffee with whipped cream? Why not just regular cream or milk or sugar like a normal person? What is it about whipped cream that you and my dad both like to use?
1: (laughs) Well, since your dad, I don't know if he came up with this idea himself, but I definitely was influenced and inspired by when we went to Arizona. And shout out to your dad, Harold, because I saw him do that. And I'm like, you know what? That's a great freaking idea, right? Just coffee, whipped cream, whipped cream. It's just really fun to eat. It tastes really good, you know, and then you can also add some sprinkles on top, some marshmallows if you want. So it's like healthy-ish because it's coffee and then unhealthy. So you get a two for So it's really good and when it's cold outside, why not?
0: It's a bit excessive or extra (laughs) as uh, some people like to say. I think I'm good with just adding a splash of like almond milk or cream if I'm feeling ambitious, but whipped cream is a little too much, but you can enjoy it for each their own, right?
1: Well, I know you're a very healthy eater, except when you go on your what is it? Your frozen custard, the or not Oreo, the brownie ones.
0: Oh, yeah. The, the custard with the brownie mix. Everybody has their weaknesses. Like yeah. I, we, we, we try to follow it to one cheat meal a week. Right. And then uh, my go to is popcorn and ice cream. My weaknesses <laughs> or I guess for I ice cream, it could be gelato. It could be frozen custard, which you're referring to. We might as well just shout them out here in Las Vegas, Nielsen's, because that's the frozen custard yeah. you're talking about. Their vanilla with the, the brownie bites in them. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's
1: so good. How would you rank that, though? Ice cream over frozen custard or over frozen yogurt, right?
0: All their textures are different. You got to throw a gelato in there, too. Yeah, gelato, it just, of course. It just depends. I think for all of them, depends on the ingredients, how fresh the milk is, where, it's, mm-hmm. where the cows are from. It depends. If, if they're if you have healthy and happy cows, I think there's this place in Connecticut that like literally massages their cows and I've had their ice cream or custard before. And it was just next level. It's in new Haven. I'm pissed off that I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but it was a really good spot. Um, It's great. And then, you know, there's always places. So I think it just depends on the fresh ingredients, but I'm a sucker for frozen custard or home baked goods in general.
1: That just reminds me of when I weighed two hundred seventeen pounds, and how much like even McFlurry's ice cream I had to eat. Like you have to eat a lot as a kid. As a much. kid, I
0: probably had a McFlurry or the from the remember the ice cream truck. You know the do 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 do. They they had different songs, and I completely botched that. But they literally had an ice cream truck come during the summer days. Uh, my cul-de-sac in Chicago all the time. i I probably had an ice cream stick, or like uh, a Baskin Robbins, or a McFlurry, or a Culver's Concrete, probably once or twice a week on average. That was terrible.
1: You were allowed to go buy them?
0: My parents didn't care. They, 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 uh, they didn't care about our diets as a kid. I had to learn the hard way when I was a teenager.
1: Well, mine were very strict, and I was a swimmer, so I think that's why. After I quit, I just literally started eating everything, or I couldn't stop eating, and then I gained eighty pounds. I think, yeah.
0: At least when we're on the road, or prior to the pandemic, and even here when I'm cooking at home, I know I do eat more than you.
1: You do eat a lot. I got, I yeah. got, I
0: got at least thirty pounds on you now. I know <laughs> that's a big deal. I know <laughs> he
1: he weighs one fifty. Everyone, so so everyone thinks I'm one twenty. I'm just okay. kidding. Hey, that's, that's fair
0: enough. Hey, let's talk a little uh, MMA, some UFC, some big news. Yes. Where do you want to start?
1: Well, right before that other big news, happy birthday to your mom.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. My mom is turning, uh, no need to say, but my yeah. mom's birthday is on Saturday. So actually, I'm flying in tonight to Arizona. You are uh, coming in on Thursday. Yeah. And just everybody, um, we are about to who who's tuning in for some MMA talk. We're about to get right into it. We're going to have a great guest showing up in about twenty minutes from now. Um, but I figured this is a great format. We just start talking a little behind the scenes action, mm-hmm. and we'll get into it. And then when the guest comes into it, I promise it will not disappoint. Uh, you probably clicked on this. You'll see it. Aljamain Sterling, uh, two weeks from now, less than two weeks from now, UFC two fifty five headlining against Peter Jan going for bantamweight gold fight of his life 256 the 255 or 256
1: 56 55 is the fly-way
0: valentina yes oh i got too excited i got too excited two weeks from now it's valentina chevchenko and jennifer maya who's been a
1: guest who's been here a guest before. here
0: and it's also um what davidson figueredo
1: and alex, and alex perez.
0: perez for the flyweight championship and then 256 in december is yes. Aljamain Sterling. So we're catching him training. Not two weeks. Well, I'm I, I just getting well, everything excited.
1: I know. And it's okay because I'm sure the time's going to fly. It's going to go by quick. And it's going to feel like two weeks.
0: Yes. So we'll get to Aljamain and that fight in December. UFC 256. But let's talk about some relevant stuff right yeah, now. Well, po-
1: where do we start, Paul Felder? Paul
0: Felder, yes, the number seventh ranked UFC lightweight stepping in because Islam Elkachev had to pull out of the fight. Staff infection, a staff infection. Yeah. has that been officially released now?
1: Uh, that's what I read. yes. Okay,
0: so that's what you read. That's you know some birdies flying uh, behind the scenes that we know of. Too, he has to pull out the fight. RDA. 155 going down. Mm -hmm. He started at this weight division, was the champion, the UFC lightweight champion at one point, went up to 170 pounds. Now he's back down here at 155. Here we are.
1: I know. And I remember when I spoke to coach Jason Perillo months ago, he told me that Artie was actually trying to get back down to 155. I think doing like a test cut or try to see, Uh, if he can get back down there. So it's pretty cool. I'm excited to see not only his return, but major props to Paul Felder, who's also been on this show before. Um, He was supposed to commentate that fight card
0: his versatility in such short amount exactly. of times is just incredible and now you know he's been training for this miami 70.3 half iron man in march and we saw him at fight island just you know running in the early hours of the morning swimming in the pool looking for pointers from you for swimming uh biking not that they had real cycling bikes there to practice but you know he still got on the bikes that were available and rode in the, the eight mile radius that we were trapped in and quarantine in to cover fights on fight Island, but the guy's just a beast. He's an absolute savage an animal. And he didn't have any other fight plans kind of lined up in the next couple of weeks. Sure. You heard him throw his name in the hat when Michael Chandler's on fight Island, you know, a potential showdown with him. But when he, he realized that Chandler wouldn't be in that top five, he's like, okay, Uh, he wanted to fight in that top five. Okay. Well, I'm not top five. You know, I'll just kind of sit on the sidelines, see what's coming to me. And lo and behold, this opportunity Amazing, five days notice.
1: Exactly. And I think you also mentioned Michael Chandler, which I think at first when that news broke that Islam would be out people were thinking, why not Michael Chandler? But I know, and he also told you, right, that he has other plans.
0: He says he has other plans, and you got to think of it from this perspective, too. He just cut to 155. Let's not forget what happened when someone like Tony Ferguson cut to 155, and then a couple weeks later, he's fighting Justin Gaethje at UFC 249. Uh, You know, I'm not saying they're the same guys or it's comparable, but, like, when you're cutting so much weight in short amount of times and it's going to have an effect on your body, let's be real. It's the human anatomy, cutting that much weight, you know, in a frequent amount of time, like it's going to have its toll. And, you know, it's, it's a lot to ask from. Everyone has their lives. Everyone has their families. Everyone's suffering through this pandemic to an extent. You're asking this guy to show up now on five days notice when he's already been you know, going through a whole training camp pretty much when he left Bellator after he beat Benson Henderson and he's, you know, done his free agency used over there in Florida. He's lives in Tennessee. You know, he's going back and forth between camp and training at home and t- going to Abu Dhabi. And now you ask him this, like it's unfair to pin it on him necessarily. And if he does have other plans, let's see what those other plans are. I'm sure it's going to be exciting.
1: Exactly. Some other big news as well.
0: Well, let's let's continue yeah. on the Paul Felder thing though before we we go there. I wanted to to finish up on that. You know, it's interesting that I'm glad they're sticking this fight to 155. They're not making it a catchweight. They're not doing the schmel 165 pound <laughs> weight division. Not doing welterweight at 170. No type of catchweight or anything like that. And I think that's huge, especially for RDA, because he's going to prove that he can get back to this weight. You know. He still has it in him. I'll never forget how good he fought a couple years ago, too, against, like, Robbie Lawler. Like, that was a great well, fight.
1: Exactly. And didn't the schmo, you trained, trained with him? I
0: trained with RDA, too. Fun fact. He has some legendary core exercises um, and uh, beat my butt over at the Ruka Gym in uh, Costa Mesa, California with Coach Jason Prillo watching, of course. That was great content. So RDA, I know, has it in him. Uh, And with Paul Felder, um, like he's I think he said this recently, too, like uh, to in an ESPN interview that this is a uh, a win win situation for him. Like it doesn't hurt his stock can only help his stock no matter the result. And I kind of agree with him there, too. It Adds to his legendary status. He's already thinking about what life could be after fighting the UFC. He's a hell of a commentator right now. One of the best for sure. That's out there, especially in a short amount of time. And now he's opening up his life to like triathlons and these endurance sports post-fight. The guy has a good head on his shoulders, and the future is very bright for him. So that's how I wanted to end the Paul Felder segment.
1: Great way to end it.
0: Great. So so what were you saying for the next topic you wanted to talk about?
1: Well, there's so much that's going on because I do want to go over a few of the fights last weekend sorry just spat on you too. Okay. That, <laughs> I, I, then... <laughs> as the snow
0: i spit on everybody pretty much or at least that's what some of the people comment and say when i'm talking
1: have any of the fighters told you like when you spit on them by accident and then after they're only, like he...
0: only one i could think of actually who Derek lewis that time oh. in february oh. it was his first time meeting me it was february what 2018 or last year 2019 it was yes yeah, almost two years ago and we're at uh, uh the, main uh, street main street
1: muay thai. muay thai in houston shout out to crew bob perez
0: yes shout out to him and uh we sat down in the basement area where the weights are we sat down on like uh, a box uh a jump box that you would for exercise and we we did an interview had an interview and i, I spat on his arm he, he commented he knew it oh it was my funny, gosh though.
1: that is really funny yeah main street boxing muay thai great gym down in Houston, Derek Lewis has a fight this weekend, and I wish I could... Sp- two weekends. Two weekends, right? Yeah, we're, November 28th. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, getting the dates, speeding them up in our minds, because I think sometimes during this pandemic, every day starts to feel, you yes. know, you lose track on what day it is, but I wish I could give him chicken feet again.
0: Yeah, well, what's exciting about him, he's the best blue belt in the state of Texas, and he's getting his grappling oh, yeah. on, and we can get into this too, but he's going to be competing in Submission Underground in December. Yes. Is it December? Yeah. So he's against, Ver, was it Verdum? Who was, who was his opponent? You, Ryan you mean, Bader. Ryan Bader, which is great, because Ryan Bader, his wrestling accolades, his wrestling background, uh, champ champ, former <laughs> champ champ, and Bellator. I mean, it's going to be an exciting fight. That yeah. Shug fight, um, Submission submission underground yes we will get to that later on if we don't get to that in the show we'll talk about it closer to I the know. day i'm excited for that but get back to what you were saying um so yeah Derek Luce is fighting november 28th against curtis blades that's going to be an exciting oh, fight because yeah. the winner of that fight is right in the conversation of the title picture but we're still on standstill for stipe and N'Ganu, and then also that throws the monkey wrench in there. What about John Jones? I still am convinced John Jones is gonna take at least one fight in heavyweight before we see him fight Izzy. If Izzy does fight Jan Blachowicz and beats Jan Blachowicz, there's a lot of ifs here.
1: Yeah. Meanwhile, speaking of ifs and rewinding to last weekend's card, Glover to Shira... Ageless. Yeah, his his win over Thiago Santos. Amazing. And now it's like, okay, where does Glover stand? Because I think he definitely earned his title shot.
0: He definitely has. And just put the 41 years of age aside. Just look at who he's beaten in these past few fights, this five fight winning streak, who he's gone through Mm -hmm. and how he's done it. It's just amazing. And it's like he's definitely hit this rebirth, the fountain of youth. It's funny because when the Schmo interviews uh, Manny Pacquiao, uh, the past two times I've interviewed him, we brought up the fountain of youth because Manny is in a very similar age, very similar situation where he's kind of had a resurgence in his boxing career like Glover Teixeira has in his MMA career. But what I've also said, too, is if you look at Glover, he's taken shots. Like Tiago Santos hits Hard. Okay, he's get taking shots, and he's getting dropped, you know, he, he, against Anthony Smith, too. I mean, that was an impressive win. Uh, he's taking shots from these guys, and he's got the chin to still s- withhold Kane consciousness. And then that grappling, when they're on the ground, Glover Teixeira's jiu-jitsu, his grappling— is amazing right now it's always been but like right now it's truly standing out and i propose this question who's got a better chin at over 40 years old in combat sports than glover i mean some people say yoel romero i'll argue yo yoel romero's neck best neck in (laughs) mma ufc because that neck i mean if you want to connect what's strong the head the chin the neck whatever we're getting little nitpicky here i'm gonna argue yoel romero's neck got that neck it's amazing how do
1: you strengthen it it's amazing
0: and then everyone's going to say dc daniel cormier he does have an amazing chin but i'm just going by you know the results wins and losses here and glover's on five straight
1: yeah and they're all in their 40s the ones you mentioned it's like is 40 the new 30 Uh,
0: in many ways with uh the modern science we've had jeff Nowitzki on this show we talk about these modern athletes uh bigger stronger faster so I'm not a, I'm not opposed to Glover Teixeira getting that title shot. But then what do you do then with with Izzy? Do you just I want to see that, white? too. I mean, <laughs> so
1: it's hard.
0: Would you be upset? I mean, here's a crazy idea, too. But like, you know, if you do give Glover the fight with Jan. I'm curious to see what Izzy and Whitaker would look like look like at light heavyweight. It's a little crazy. It might not mean anything. Oh. Do it at middleweight or light heavyweight. I don't care. Middleweight. Fine. It actually means something. There's a belt on the line. But look, the only reason why I said the whole Whitaker thing just now is because I, I want to see Izzy at a higher weight because inevitably I want to see Israel versus John Jones. I think that fight has potential to be the biggest fight in UFC history and a fight that doesn't involve Conor McGregor.
1: Exactly. And hopefully it will go down at Allegiant stadium. Hopefully by that time, the fans and everything will be able to attend big events. But you mentioned Connor McGregor. Good so segue. Yeah. Uh, other big news that happened today, Connor McGregor, Destin Poirier 2, their rematch, it would be at 155. So when they first fought in September 2014, already six years ago, UFC 178, that was at featherweight at 145. So this rematch that's uh, so far set to go down in January, January 23rd, it'd be 10 pounds heavier
0: and I think that's the most underlooked point about everything you just brought off their first fight was at 145 they were talking about doing this fight at 170 before it' sign on the dotted line at 155 you know and it obviously and Dana pointed out it didn't make any sense both of them aren't competing at the welterweight division but that's a huge point look at they're very close in age I think Dustin Poirier is a year younger than Conor McGregor I think Conor's 32 Dustin's 31 they're they're in their primes right now. I would consider this their prime of their fighting career. And if you look at how much more both of these fighters have improved, you can make an argument to an extent that Dustin Poirier has improved more in his relative career than Conor has from that point in their fighting career. You can make that argument. I can't wait for this fight because this fight you can have an argument. You couldn't have the argument when Conor beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone. That okay, Conor's right there in the title title conversation. He's right there. We can talk about him next. You can make that argument with the Dustin Poirier. You can make that argument. But then you just look at the picture here, the title picture here. Does that just mean we have to see because now we have three three guys and one fight to make between Justin Gaethje, Tony Ferguson, and um why am I, am I spacing out right here du- uh, dustin uh justin gaethje yeah tony ferguson
1: dustin and
0: who's the third one who's so we have connor fighting dustin
1: yeah
0: we have tony ferguson michael chandler well and potentially but and justin gaethje gosh i sorry wait, it took I me so long that's that's right so there's one fight to make and there's three guys there's michael chandler there's Tony Ferguson and there's yeah. Justin Gaethje. Who fights who in those three? Because one guy's going to be left out. True. God, I hate for that one person to be left out to be Tony Ferguson. I know. For, for all he's done for this company, for for stepping up and still fighting Justin Gaethje, 249, he could have waited for Habib if he wanted to. Like He had earned that to an extent. He definitely has. So if the three guys I just mentioned, it took me forever, so I apologize for those listening and watching. You, you
1: just confused me, though. I
0: did. I'm sorry. But Tony Ferguson... Again, just yeah. to clarify for the audience, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler, Justin Gaethje. There's three guys right there. Only two can fight.
1: Yeah, well, Tony and Justin already fought.
0: True. So what does Michael that mean?
1: Michael Chandler. I, we wouldn't see
0: know. that. So what does that mean? Is it Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson? Is it Michael Chandler... Justin Gaethje, and you leave Tony Ferguson out? Is it Tony Ferguson, Michael Chandler? Those are your options well, right there.
1: also, we have to bring up a dark horse, Charles Oliveira.
0: And I'm glad you just brought that up. Because, because he, yeah, he is deserving to be yeah, in that four-quadrant he, He's position. on a
1: freaking hot win streak. I know he's ranked below Dan Hooker, who is coming off that loss over Dustin Poirier, but Dan Hooker's still you know, one of the top lightweights in the world, so we can't leave out Dan Hooker, but... I think just that top six and because Paul Felder's ranked number seven and he's fighting this weekend, RDA. But so now I'm just looking at that top six and the Charles Oliveira, which I I feel sometimes does get left out.
0: And I'm glad you brought up his name because that's exactly where I want to take this. It's not three guys. It's four guys. I think that's it. And however you want to match it, and obviously we don't have to see Tony Ferguson right away fight Justin Gaethje next, but those four guys throwing Charles Oliveira, you got Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, Justin Gaethje. That's the matchups. You got to get those guys to overlap. And however you want to pick it stylistically, let the matchmaker, Sean Shelby, make it happen. But if you look at how to move this division forward, there it is. But then we throw in a dark horse. Ali. I know. Tweeted. 30-0 today. There's some gamesmanship into that.
1: What are you thinking?
0: I'm thinking this. Every single time there's been a big fight, a big fight announcement uh, to be made, or uh, when someone's having their night, Conor McGregor's been tweeting something, trying to put some spotlight on himself. When it was Izzy's big night against Costa, he tweeted something out just to put something relative into perspective. Well, today the big fight announcement was made January 23rd, Poirier-McGregor um, 2. How do you steal some thunder from that? You get Ali tweeting 30-0. Habib's coming back.
1: Isn't that also what Dana mentioned a few weeks he ago? He did mention as well? he was
0: talking to him and then then he was talking to an outlet in Russia, RT Sport maybe, or somewhere somewhere in Russia, where he was saying, No, no, I, I'm done, 29 and 0. There's gonna we're gonna have mixed feelings. We're gonna have sorry, mixed signals throughout this to the next couple weeks, couple months, and rightfully so. There's so much at play. We just talked about fights to be made. It could be one of those guys. We talked that there could be potential with GSP you know, that's still there. There are so many good options. There's so many amazing fights, you know, money's there. Put that to the side. Legacy's here. So many fights can be made for an amazing amazing legacy of 30-0 and, and so many of uh, these potential outcomes. Then you can start, you know how I, I put the GOAT conversation to 29-0? I'm like, look, you know, so on and so forth. Depending on who Habib fights for this 30th fight and wins in this 30th fight, that could really, really change the stock of the conversation of the greatest of all time.
1: Exactly. Man, that makes me excited for 2021 because I feel a lot of big things cooking. And one of the big things too, the return of the ultimate fighter. I also spoke to Colby Covington's head coach, head coach of MMA Masters, Daniel Valverde, yesterday. And he told me he would love to see Colby coach the ultimate fighter alongside, of course, Jorge Masvidal.
0: And that's what I pitched to Steve-O the other night, too. And Steve-O, shout out to him, the legend, man. Great uh, interview. Thank you. Thank you. Second time. Uh, Steve-O crashed the uh, the media tent. He was watching the was watching. He the was fights. a media member. He was a media member. So I'm like, look, we got to get the schmo and Steve-O back together. I asked him about that because I know he's close with Orhei Masvidal. I think Orhe Mosfidal gave him cauliflower air. I think there was a stunt where he was given him cauliflower air. That night I interviewed him in, uh, in here he in Vegas. Does he still have
1: cauliflower so, I didn't
0: see it. I was actually paying attention to it. He did not have it from okay. what I noticed. But I said that to him. I'm like, you know, as the schmo, I pitched that to him. I said, how about Kobe Covington and Mosfidal um, for The Ultimate Fighter?
1: The, Look, that would be freaking fun.
0: That's high drama. That's great content. Literally, and great high fighters, drama. too. And you say, oh, there's no championship belt on the line. Bullshit. The BMF title. <laughs> like, I don't care if it's <laughs> well, a one-on-one. We, one one we don't need a championship belt for that you don't, one. You really no. don't.
1: You yeah. really don't. And because, well, so his coach told me he would love that, and Colby is willing to do that, but they haven't heard from the UFC yet in regards to that. But I'm also hearing little rumblings that, Colby could possibly return early twenty twenty one january february ish again, I'm just hearing it it's nothing is confirmed at all, but so it's it's hard to um determine right yeah no
0: i think I think it's it's very interesting because then of those lightweights that we talked about those four, I think you could put any of those combinations and therefore the ultimate fighter michael chandler's express interest yeah
1: you've said michael chandler tony ferguson as coaches
0: as coaches that would be fantastic too let me throw in um, a monkey wrench in this because i like to do that something that people haven't thought about who is making his return to the light heavyweight division this spring that we've confirmed with uh, a guest on the show guest being ali rumble rumble johnson what about rumble johnson for the ultimate fighter as his oh. return oh. <laughs> i mean maybe that's a little bit of a stretch i i know i know and i against can't wait to see him fight true and then it's against two <laughs> i mean there's so many good things hey maybe it's a glover to sheriff he doesn't get the fight with Jan Blachowicz. no i mean there's just a lot you can do this is an exciting time in in the sport it really is uh, there's so many good options, and options are a great thing.
1: Exactly. Now my wheels, the wheels are turning. I'm, I'm just trying to think. I'm like, who, which fighters would be really fun as coaches, right?
0: And what's so interesting about that too is who would Kobe bring in as his coaches for the Ultimate Fighter? Uh, who would be on the staff, and who would Orhei bring in for the staff too? It's, it's interesting to see because there's obviously a ton of overlap, and there's a lot of competitive. Competitiveness there, which always amazes me too, is because all these guys throw Usman in there too, uh, with his gym, Sanford MMA, where Chandler trains out of. All of these gyms are within like 20, 25 minutes apart from each other in South Florida, where these guys train and work. You would think there's been so much opportunity for them to just see each other at like small regional shows that they're going to, or just out at the supermarket, anywhere uh, you can randomly bump into somebody. You would think that that would happen. So uh, I'm surprised it hasn't happened more.
1: True. Or maybe we don't know about it yet.
0: They don't talk about it. I ask them about it, whether it's on fr- in front of the camera or behind the scenes. I always make it a point to ask them about that because it always like intrigues if me. if they run into each other. Yeah. Or
1: I... or maybe, you know, it's like the paparazzi are sleeping. <laughs> they don't <laughs> catch it on camera. I don't know.
0: <laughs> the, yeah, yeah. Jokes. Yeah definitely more prevalent for that stuff i feel like in los angeles than know. in Miami, but it could be I, anywhere I was that. it could be anywhere too so the ultimate fighter that's an exciting thing i expect them to make an announcement for that at any time but i think now is a uh, great time to introduce our guest for the show today the one and only funk master making his way on set hop in here however you want man good timing we're setting you up
2: yeah hey guys
0: we're good, good to see you.
2: Good,
1: good to see you.
0: Uh, for this one, you could just talk right through the microphone too. I know before it was a little different.
2: Um, actually, I can't remember, really remember to be honest.
0: I know we did drink a little we bit, were, man. Yeah. We did. We did. Oh. <laughs> oh, he takes takes it off on the, the beginning. You're good. I Is think. it
1: that one or no, no? I think it's. It was that
0: supposed one. to be in the hole. Oh, it's supposed to. Be. That's what she said. Hey, he gets it right, <laughs> I man. I knew that
1: was gonna be the joke.
0: <laughs> well, thanks for coming into the Schmo Zone, man. Thanks for me. Of course, man.
1: Nice outfit.
0: Thank you.
2: Um, you know, sponsored by Funkmaster himself.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Where can your fans purchase that? Because I like the
2: hat. Uh, sterling.com. I have all my stuff. Uh, and I have a shirt and a hoodie for I'm "Coming for That Ass."
0: Pause. Well if, you, well, if you have one in our size, we'll wear it on the podcast. We'll preview the fight that way. That'd actually be pretty good. That'd we'll definitely good. do that. Well, thanks for hopping in. I got all my dates confused at the very beginning of the episode. I'm sitting over here thinking it's already December, thinking you're fighting two weeks from now. And when it's UFC 255, it's the Valentina card. I'm like, shit, he's really coming in short notice for the fight. Then I remember, no, no, it's 256. Helen reminded me. You got your big fight against Peter Yan December.
1: Yeah, not only that, but Amanda Nunes she's out, out of her fight, so you're going to be the main event, right?
0: I honestly I have no
2: idea. They, no one said anything to me yet. I just decided to tweet to Dana because I don't know. I was bored. <laughs> but um, yeah, all my friends they know about this stuff faster than I do. I'm like I can't even go on my phone anymore. It's just too much. It's almost like you get you get like mentally drained from trying to respond to everybody because I'm normally I'm like that so I have to like pick and choose times of the day where I'm like all right I'm gonna dedicate this hour to like respond to fans and check my DMs because if I try to do it all throughout the day it's just I don't even want to work out it's just it's mentally draining.
0: It's taxing yeah. it, and you gotta just have the ability to let go of it's, it's okay yeah. the world's not gonna end if you don't get to everybody but you'll do your best and just forget about the rest.
2: Yeah, but normally I would know something like that oh there's a a a fight fell through or the main event fell through and then you know that would help me but now i'm like dude i don't even want any part of it it's just it's too much
0: well speaking of too much and this is what i was flirting the idea with today they just announced dustin poirier mcgregor for the 23rd card and mcgregor has been saying this whole time he wants the fight sooner then he's even proposed Coming on your card in uh, December for 256. Really? But what, But <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen because you got to have the main event be over a title. And obviously, you and Jan is over gold. That's the main event.
2: Honestly, I'm okay with it. You're <laughs> I'm, okay I'm, with honestly... McGregor
0: and Poirier being the main and you being the co main Yeah,
2: 100%. I mean, Connors put his time in. Dustin Poirier put his time in. Both former champions. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's a big enough name they could draw. I know that's what the UFC wants. I know as a pay-per-view, they'd normally want to have title fights for that. They do have a title fight. So, honestly, I'm good with letting them do the, the most of the media. And we'll just have, you know kind of kick back a little bit. And um, I'm sure Jan would be happy because he gets pay-per-view points. For me, I don't get anything until I take the belt from him. So, um, I don't really care either way. So, I just think it would be huge just to have that ambiance of the
0: fight card being that much bigger with McGregor coming back for a rematch with Dustin Poirier. So, you— so- Let's say hypothetically. I don't think it's going to happen. Let's just say it does happen. Uh, you wouldn't get more money potentially at no. all, just because uh, you don't oh, have the belt. I think there's like a main event bonus that you get. I think. Okay. But I've never main evented, so
2: I wouldn't know. And I've never been a co-main event, so I wouldn't know that either. Things are changing now. Yeah. yeah. Things are changing. Yeah, big. we're
1: we're excited. You know, I know for it's crazy. Your fight.
2: It really is crazy because I'm like, I part of me still doesn't even feel like I'm fighting for a world title because it's like. Uh, I've been in this game for so long that it's like, it just feels like another fight, even though it's a huge fight, but it doesn't feel real yet. I'm like, yeah, I know I'm fighting for the title now. Like Dana finally said it, but it doesn't feel like, like normally if I got this shot, maybe after I was supposed to beat um, Brian Carraway, you know, when they, they laid that up for me and, um, if I had got it back then, maybe my eyes would have been a lot wider, brighter, you know, all that stuff. And, um. But now I just feel like I feel like I belong here. So it doesn't necessarily feel like the spectacle that it, it should be. But at the same time, I don't know if that makes sense. But it just feels like another fight. Like I'm just going in there for so five rounds. And um, at the end of it,
0: I get to make history. Does it bother you at all, or did it bother you at all? It, this fight took so long to materialize. I had been pitching on your behalf for months, I, I feel saw, like. thank you. <laughs> and, and I'm just shocked that it took so long to announce. It literally was not announced until after the uh, Marlon Marias fight, uh, you know? That was like their last Hail Mary. And I don't know if they were
2: necessarily waiting for that, but it almost feels like that's what they were trying to do, build the, the anticipation to make people get a little bit riled up and pissed off at the UFC for not, like, you announced it, then you took it back, and then you said you don't know, and then you said maybe. Then this other guy, how can you not give him a shot? He loses, then he's got some things to work on, and Frankie Edgar. It's just been a whole lot of obstacles for me to jump through, and um, I think my skill set shine through the way I beat Corey Sandhagen, who just came off a ridiculous performance over someone who knocked me out three years ago. Yeah. I think that shows leaps and bounds, my mental space back then, where it's at now, how deep this division is, and how good everybody can be on any given night. So I think um, me putting in that work beforehand, I think it kind of just solidified, just based on everyone else's performances. You had Aldo, you had Dominic Cruz, he did not look good. You had Aldo, who looked okay for like the first three, four minutes, and after that, he really just kind of just started to go downhill in that fight with Jan and Jan just kept picking up speed, and then you have um, Marlon, who I was always skeptical about, because I always felt like he was a first round fighter. And outside of that, you know, if he didn't catch you in the first round, he was going to be in some trouble. And I think we got to see that as well. And um, I think the cream rises to the top, you know. And I, I, I think myself, uh, Peter Jan, and um, Corey Sanhagen, we're the, I think we're the top guys right now. You got Dillashaw in the in the wings right now. You got Frankie. He's Frankie could still you know throw, but You saw his fight with Pedro Munoz. It was a good performance, but at the same time, I really thought Pedro won that fight.
0: Yeah, I saw it going both ways. There's a lot of people that said that, but I want to get to you real quick. Uh, Go back to uh, the Sanhagen fight. You beat him in 88 seconds, and then to see how he performed against Marlon Marais, what was your initial gut instinct right after that fight when you saw that performance? Did you just have this awe-type moment, like like, something left off of your shoulders, like, yeah, no matter what, they have to give me this title shot now. Oh,
2: 1,000%. I even felt like that was the the title fight right there. I felt we were the best guys. He beat, he just beat Rafael Sal pretty convincingly, who was the highest-ranked guy. Jan didn't fight anyone in the top five. No disrespect to him. He did what he had to do with the guys that they put in front of him, but at the same time, he didn't beat anybody that, that could make him say, all right, he should be fighting for the title, or he deserves a title shot. I'm not saying now... If he had gotten another fight over a top-five opponent, I've beat three guys in the top five. Corey Sanhagen, he beat the number-one contender guy, and he lost to me, so that puts him right behind me. And then you have P.D. Young, whose biggest win to date before Aldo was Uriah Faber. And no disrespect to him, but his best days are definitely behind him. You know, A young Uriah Faber walks through some of those punches and can at least drag him down to the floor to make that fight a little bit more interesting. Um, i not saying a prime Faber beats him, but I'm just saying I think... Times has definitely changed, and um, I, I think that fight between Sanhagen and I were, was definitely the, the real title fight for the uncrowned champ. And uh, Jan versus Aldo, the, I mean, he's coming off of a loss. You do him into a title fight, Dana. Like, I don't even understand that. You know, you're setting a new president for anything, you know. It's the UFC's organization. They're going to do what they want to do. So um, when I won, I thought that was definitely it. And I knew if Sanhagen had won that night, he would have gotten the shot – no questions asked because he's the new shiny thing that the UFC wanted to push. And I've been that shiny thing before, so I know what that's like um, with all that pressure. And I think uh, he kind of ran into a bit of an obstacle the same way I went, ran into a, a bit of an obstacle taking a short-notice fight with Marlon Marais. And um, I think, he's as as you've seen, he's, he's going to come back better, you know? And, and that just goes to show how good this division is. So I, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. It's exciting times for everybody.
1: But in many ways, are you more... Um glad that you're getting that title shot now as opposed to years ago.
2: In hindsight, it's 2020. I think I'm definitely a lot better. I don't think I overreact to strikes coming my way defensively the way I used to. Um, I used to step back a ton, and there would be really no space to counter because I was just so far gone. Now I'm, I'm sliding out of the way where I can counter-strike, um, I can slip in for my takedowns a little bit more efficiently, and um, I just think I'm a little bit more educated, a little bit more poised, and I understand distance. I understand timing. I understand where my headspace needs to be, which San Hagen t- um touched on, talking about how he approached the fight with me, and I've been there. I've been there with Marlon. It was almost the exact same thing he described. I felt that exact same feeling when I made that walk. It didn't feel like I had any nerves or anything, and it was just like a practice, and just wasn't a good night, you know, so... Uh, I think I got more time to develop. I could have used the money back then, you know, fighting for the title earlier. So that's always like, you know, in the back of my mind. But at the same time, uh, having this one opportunity, you never know how many of them you're going to get. So I think now is the time where I have the best chance of seizing it in comparison to where my skill set was a couple of years ago.
0: After you beat San Hagen, shortly after you became a homeowner here in Las Vegas, yeah, yeah. you're a Las Vegas uh, resident, or soon to be if it's not official yet. I voted here. You voted here. He is official <laughs> A here. Las Vegas <laughs> resident. But you're also going back a little bit to New York. Yes. And you're training at um, Sierra Longo, right? Or yep, for um, sure, yeah. Where uh, have you thought about this yet? Has it been official? Who's gonna be in your corner for this upcoming fight? Cause uh, I know this is a big time decision for you, man.
2: Yeah, I've gotten I've gotten a lot of questions about this. People think I kind of like abandoned my team, which I definitely did not do. Uh, so I got to speak to the UFC brass, and we got to figure everything out. So here's my situation: When I fought Saint Hagen, the coronavirus was still kind of in a high peak, I guess, with everyone being scared and um. You know, that's just the way I describe it, because I, whatever. I have my own thoughts. but um, We all do. Yeah, and everyone hates me for it, because I voice my opinion. But at the end of the day, you have an opinion. I do, too. Yours doesn't always... Whatever. Um, so, San Hagen, you can only train at the Fighter Hotel, because I didn't have a house. You can only train with the people that's going to be in your corner. So, for me to lose weight, I don't necessarily always hit pads with Ray. I hit, like, every so once in a while. And for that training camp, I did all my training in Al's garage. And I might have snuck into the gym, I think, four times. And one time was for the UFC countdown that they they didn't even air, which pissed me off. I was like, well, that's just a slap in the face. But it was pretty good footage, I think. Um, So having Ray, having Matt, and having Al, Al's knees were still jacked. Ray's obviously a lot bigger than me. Again, I don't hit pads to lose weight. I'm a pretty big band weight to cut weight, and then Matt's not really my size, and he's not the the stature of uh, a Corey Sanhagen who's 5'10", very, very skinny, you know. So, in terms of having the ideal fight week, it didn't make a ton of sense for them to come out, and they weren't there for the entire training camp, you know. So, uh, I would send them the sparring, they would get to watch, they would send me back tips and notes and stuff, we would talk on the phone, but that was pretty much it. So, now at this time, now that I have a house, I spoke to them about the same thing because that was my number one concern. For me to cut weight, it's a it's a task, man. I I walk around one sixty five, one seventy when I'm not cutting weight, when I'm not training. So I can get pretty heavy, and I'm pretty lean. So when I get down, it has to be very particular how I get my weight down, and I don't hit pads to do it. I don't run on the treadmill for one two hours like some of these other guys. I think that's just absolutely crazy, and you just you like you're just fatiguing your muscles even further than, than they've been depleted already. So. I do mine in a completely different way. I've been doing it my entire career. And now that I have the house, I can quarantine at my house. I can have my coaches and training partners that I'm going to be using, like, strictly just those specific bodies. And then during the fight week, um, same thing. And then Friday, we have the quarantine at the fighter hotel. So all the work is going to be done. So this actually works out where I can get the best of both worlds. I can have the training partners that I need to still mimic on, still get the right things to dial in the fight, the last few days of preparation, and um I can
0: still have my coaches in the corner. So um, who's gonna be your four coaches in the corner?
2: <laughs> so I'm right now I'm thinking Matt, Ray, and uh I, I want to have Eric in there too. And the fourth one is still up for discussion because I want to make sure that fourth person is going to be someone I can still move with on the day of the fight. You know, so I still have to do my morning shakeout and I have to do my warm-up before we make the walk, so I just want to make sure I'm giving myself the best opportunity to win, and it's kind of weird, you know, because most people, they leave their gym when they lose, you know, you know, you're seeing someone, I'm not necessarily leaving my gym, but I am making a transition, you know, moving out of state, so that, one, financial reasons, two, my future, and, uh... Three, just to get a different look, you know, it's, it's good to get a different shakeup compared to doing the same thing over and over and over. So that's been huge for me.
0: And sure, when you made this decision, too, like with this pandemic, there's such so, such an unknown. And what's going on in New York is very different than what's going on in Las Vegas. Very. This is like literally the fight capital of the world, not in Abu Dhabi. Necessarily. Yeah. If it's if it's Abu Dhabi, Fight Island, it's here. It's one of the two. It's 1A, 1B. So you, you're you p- picking a decision based off of your best future outcomes yeah for sure and um new york is not
2: open you know gyms are still closed like mma gyms and uh regular gyms are open at like 33 percent capacity which is such a weird it's so weird it, it i don't know i just i can't make sense out of this whole thing because you can eat outside you don't have to wear your mask but you can eat outside because it's getting cold in new york right but now they got these tents so you can eat outside in the tent Without it, it's, it's just the rules make no sense, the- and it's almost like you're insulting everyone's intelligence. By pretending we're being safer, it's, it's
0: so ridiculous. I just—that's—we've talked about this before. It's like it, there's so many people that are just making up rules on the fly. Yeah. Everyone adulthood adulthood is literally pretending and faking it until you and acting like you have all the answers when you clearly don't. What gets me is when you see people driving their cars with the masks oh. when it makes no sense. Oh. Like <laughs> um, I get the safety, of it. Nuts. I, I get yeah. the premise of everything, and I and I'm truly for it. But when you start creating a double standard and making up rules, like you know, you ha- when you sit down, you can take your mask off and you're eating or drinking and stuff like that. It's like, and then you set this double standard for it. It it makes no sense. So I I feel you on that. I totally feel you on that. I was attacked for saying that
2: make masks optional. I think if you're a business owner and you want to make it optional, you should have that right. You know, I'm not saying masks don't work. I'm not an anti-masker as they call me. I'm like, I'm not saying masks don't work. You
0: saw what Bryce Mitchell said in his post fight press conference. I think you should at least
2: have the option. And I think that's very fair for people to say and to try to say that no one's you're, you're a fighter, you're dumb because you get hit in the head. I'm like, I'm I'm college educated. I'm pretty sure a lot of these knuckleheads out there don't know anything. And I don't know if you guys watched the, the movie Venom of Big Marvel. Um, I did. I yeah. did see Venom. And you know how it's like a little amoeba or whatever it is, and it's crawling on the floor, and then it jumps on you. I, yep. People are acting like... Yeah. Coronavirus is like that. There's, There's a like, big difference does, between like a
0: virus that. and a disease. And throughout this entire time, people have confused the two. They've yeah. treated this like a disease, like like a, an HIV or an AIDS that can kill you, that stays with you for life. You yeah. know, this, I'm not saying it can't kill you, especially if you have pre-existing conditions. Yes. But I'm a statistics guy. I'm a numbers guy. And I look at it and I look at how many people get the flu. I, I look at how many people recover. If you take care of yourself and you take care of your immune system and you do the pri- proper things first, and then, and then you talk about the mask. Like, when you have a bandana or a piece of cloth versus a real N95, to, to the, so there's a difference there. Big difference. There's not enough full scientific evidence to prove one way or another. Yep. We were talking to a fighter that I think it was uh, Walt Harris. Walt okay. Harris, who had the coronavirus. His family. My girlfriend had it. And Your girlfriend had it. And you lived with them. You were in I the same... slept in the bed with her yes. for about three, four nights.
2: Yes. Helped her do a lot of things for, for those days. And I just took my antibody test
0: um, last week, nothing. It doesn't make sense. It's so bizarre. So Walt did the same thing. His wife had it, or uh, he had it, uh, and his wife and his kids in the same house did not get it. Did not get it. Just like how your situation's right there too. It's amazing too, and I think Jared Flash Gordon, his fiance, yeah. she had yeah. it. He never got it. Um, he had the false test. I mean, it's just it's bizarre to to pinpoint it. But uh, let's go you're, back. Uh,
1: I was gonna say you're triggering. The people right oh, now <laughs>
0: trigger a lot of people yeah they're yeah,
1: keyboard the, wor- yeah, warriors coming look, out
2: yeah, um, yeah but uh but you're gonna get we're gonna get told we're stupid we're not doctors I, obviously i've never claimed that i'm just using logical sense and saying i just don't think it's as contagious as they're making it seem like if i touch your hand oh man you have
0: the covet like i don't think it works like that yeah, it's got a
2: concentration uh, level like i don't know i'm just trying to compare it to other highly transmittable yeah
0: my produces, argument whatever. is very simple we don't have enough information nothing's the end-all be-all we don't have the science to prove x y and z because things have proven we don't have x y and z yeah. you know and we come from a country where things are choice and everything i hear what you're saying well let's keep a business at 50 capacity and see if they can stay afloat small
2: businesses because yeah. they couldn't make ends meet before yeah but now all of a sudden in new york they can do that at
0: 50 it's it's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. It is. We probably pissed off a lot of people. Let's go back, though, to Samantha <sighs> guys. No, it's fair. i sorry, people. I'm it's sorry. Fair. I love it. We're fired up. <laughs> uh, I want to go back to uh, something. TJ <laughs> uh, Dillashaw in your division. Uh, his suspension ends in January. Um, welcome back. Welcome back. Where do, where do you want to see. see him fight next? Where Do you yeah. he think he's, he's deserving of a top five guy? Who do you think would be rightful in your loaded division, which I'm sure you'd argue is the most stacked division right now in the UFC?
2: Yeah, 100%. I think... Um, Corey Sanhagen would be a good fight. I think top five. I'm not necessarily sure if he deserves a number one contender fight right away. But at the same time, he it was the reigning champion at the weight class. He never actually lost the belt at 135. No, he just went down to 125. Yeah,
0: 125 and lost to Cejudo. And he
2: got popped. But there is a lot of speculation that um, where the smoke there's fire. And I still always go back to that interview conference um, thing that they had with between him and Cody Garbrandt. And Cody Garbrandt at the conference said aloud to everybody, hey, you showed everyone how it's done. You showed everyone how to do it. You showed everyone in that voice that he does where he thinks he's so cool. And um, no one said anything about it. So if, if it was way back then, I, I'm a big believer. Where there's smoke, there's fire. And I'm pretty sure I've heard stories and tales that he's been doing stuff for a very long time. So a lot of those wins, man, to me... Makes me question, like, were they really legitimate wins? You see how he doesn't get tired and he has these phenomenal performances and there's, like, almost zero drop-off. Very questionable. But um, to answer the question, it would be nice to welcome him back to the division. I saw a couple of his pictures. I like to stalk guys that I might potentially fight. And uh, he's
0: looking big, man. He's looking jacked. So... Welcome back, T. Welcome back. What's amazing, too, is we've had Jeff Nowitzki on the show. They do not test for EPO every time. It's too expensive. And he was he, he had mentioned how the the urine test is is a better test than a blood test. But um, I'm surprised really? that they don't test more for EPO than they do. I never fully came to grips on to uh, the ending of that conversation. But I think... It's a serious thing. When there's advantages to be had and you have money, they can be had. Yeah, for sure. And um, I look at TJ's run and I'm like, if there's ever a time or
2: ever a situation that looks super beneficial and like, hey, this might be worth it, it's TJ Dosro. The guy bought boats. He bought houses. He's opened up his own um, seasoning company and stuff. and
0: He's got a juice place, too.
2: He's got a juice place. Clean so, juice. Clean yeah, juice. he's made like, which is very ironic, but... um. It's uh it's fascinating to see that he made over hand over fist. And in his case, cheating was worth it. For somebody 100%. else, there's been people who've gotten who've gotten caught doing way less or probably like their first or second fight within the UFC. So at that point, it's kinda of like risk versus reward. Um it is crazy. It's um fascinating because I know a lot of other guys, I think that got Ali Bogatinov, um, he fought Demetrius Johnson, he popped for EPO as well. But it's weird because I don't know when they test for it, when they don't. It's random. It's yeah. very random. So I don't know when they're going to spend the money on it, but it'd be nice to see some of these guys who are cardio machines. Hey, man, I get tired. I get tired. I have no problem saying that I get tired. And, you know, if, if it's in the fight, I'll poker face it, but I definitely get tired, and that's a normal thing. If you don't get tired, there's something wrong with that. You could tell yourself, yeah, I'm not tired, but really, dude? Come on. You can't go 100 miles an hour and not slow down at all. That's just not, that's not humanly possible.
1: Well, for TJ, do you think that punishment was enough, or what do you think the punishment should be for those fighters that get caught?
2: I tell you what, he ruined a lot of careers. He gave a lot of people brain damage, and he took a lot of money out of families, people's families from you know their household. So it's it's a I don't really know what the correct answer is for that. It's hard for me to say. You should pay a fine. I do think there should be some type of financial compensation or penalty for you to come back into the sport. Um, and then it makes it muddies the waters a little bit because some people, they do get popped for very rare circumstances where they really didn't do anything wrong, allegedly. you know. So it makes it tough to really say. I, I take whatever the UFC says is good. I used to take this other supplement, which was third-party tested. Anything I take third-party tested, I get it from UFC. So this way I have no reasoning to ever have something, unless I go out and do something really stupid, but I don't do drugs. I mean, I might smoke a little here and there, but and I smoke and I drink alcohol, that's it. I don't do anything else, I'm not taking stuff from other people so I can build. like, you know. I just think when you're at a certain age and you're this high level, you should have a little bit more responsibility over what you put in your body. I understand you want to have fun when you're young and you kind of, like the whole John Jones, the, the dick pills thing, I'm like, I you know, I don't know, I just think some things are just crazy. I'm like, at that point, why not just go get Viagra? Something that's gonna be that's gonna pass and not get you into some shit.
0: I don't know. On the whole marijuana thing, what amazed me too is because I think there was a couple of fighters that tested positive here in Nevada for marijuana. And let's 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 be honest with the conversation. Getting high, smoking marijuana, taking marijuana is so much better for your body than the painkillers and everything like that. Like if you're Brett Favre and you're popping painkillers before every football game versus being stoned, I mean there's going to be a huge difference in what it does to your body. But what amazes me, what Dana had said is we can't have fighters showing up high to a fight. That was kind of his response. Do you think there are fighters that actually go into the octagon? I know
2: people that smoke every day. They come to training high. They spar high. It's, it's fascinating. So it could be a psychological advantage for them in particular, Mm. not for me. I don't think one size, one shoe fits all. I just think, uh, it depends on the individual. But I do think there are some people who are ballsy enough to smoke before competition. I just, I don't know. That's just, that's what they do. If it, whatever floats your boat. But is that even an advantage? Not for me. For other people, I see them be able to slow down time. They're lab- they're, the, the nerves calm down. They can relax a little bit. They see clearer. They can think better and process the moves and situation better. I think it's dangerous as fuck. Like people swinging haymakers at me. Uh, I like to see that in real-time speed, not thinking it's slower, and then it's like, oh, shit, I got cracked and I'm waking up. You know, So I don't know. I think everyone is different. Everyone is super different. But I agree with Dan. I don't think people should be in the cage. I don't think there's enough data to show, like, hey, man, this is beneficial or this could be very dangerous for you to show up to the octagon stoned.
0: Yeah, I just wonder if those tests were correlated to, like, right after competition. Like, they took them, they tested them, and they, they were – they were high right after competition, meaning they were they were stoned inside the octagon. Yeah, interesting.
1: But I think like what you mentioned, it is all mental, right?
2: Yeah, like I if think you so.
1: whatever you want to believe.
2: Yeah, if it works for you. I know people say they can work and do a ton of work all day long, smoking weed. And I'm like, dude, if I do work, if I smoke and try to do work, that's it. My day is done. I don't have any. There is no work to be done. My day is KO'd. Like that's that's a day just gone to the wind. You know, so. Um, I can actually drink a beer, one, two, and actually get work done. Like I said, everyone is different. I see people who could sit down, smoke their weed, and they could sh- super impressive, super impressive. I can't, fu- I don't function like that.
0: Excellent. So Excellent. it might work.
2: I don't know. It
1: might work.
0: Ah, good stuff. Uh, any final thoughts, Funkmaster? Get you final notes. December twelfth. Yeah. December twelfth.
1: Yeah. And how do you envision that fight playing out?
0: Yes, that's a good way.
2: You know, it's kind of like the Corey Sandhagen fight. I did visualize a lot of different ways that fight could have went, and I made up my mind that that's how I wanted the fight to go, the day of the fight. And I just told the guys in the back, in the morning, I said, you know what, I'm just going to go right at him, take him down, and just see what happens. I'm going to see if I get him down, great. If I don't, then we're standing up and we're fighting for a bit. You know, so um, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be my approach with this one for Jan, but I do think to be in his face, make him respect that I do have some punching power because he thinks he's just going to walk through my shots. I think that's what he honestly thinks. Um, I posted something on Twitter and he, his response was, you won't be able to hurt me or something like that. I'm going to, your shots won't hurt me. When I hit you, I'm going to hurt you. I'm like, that may be true. You do put all your body weight into your punches. And I did make sure I pointed out, I was like, if you throw your punches where you're falling over like you've done in your past, that's going to be a huge advantage for me. So. I'll be looking forward to seeing his approach, and I think it's going to be more of a chess match and just seeing who decides to make that mistake first. If he overcommits, he's going to be on his ass or he's going to be against the cage. Um, I might have to usma him, break his toes a little bit, eventually take him down, and uh, I think think it's going to be a battle of attrition. I don't see him breaking. I don't see him quitting, and uh, if I do get him in a submission, I don't
0: see him tapping. I can see him going to sleep as well. Excellent. Well said. Well said. This is episode 41 of the Schmo's Zone Podcast. We are out.
2: Look around. You can find cars like these on Autotrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Autotrader. Just you wait. Autotrader.